Welcome back. This is your kind of well, kind of toxic host, Sarah Rittendale, bringing you another episode of Wellish. My elite ass group of friends, what's going on? Welcome back. Guess what fucking today is? Well, technically not today. It's actually tomorrow, but tomorrow's Tuesday and there's no Wellish on Tuesday. So today <laughs> is the one year anniversary of Wellish. I actually cannot believe that. I heard a statistic that said that podcasts end after 15 episodes typically. And while I don't like that, you know, people don't have follow through, I'm really excited that we have made it this far together and have been friends for this long. I'm so excited. I created this podcast a year ago because I was so sick of spending so much of my life working so hard to improve myself and never feeling like I actually was seeing results. I wanted to create a space for us to not feel that pressure of needing the results. And that's what's going to determine whether or not we're good enough and start feeling like we are already the elite version of ourselves that we are. I want to be able to give ourselves permission for not being perfect while still trying to like <laughs> become perfect. <laughs> not that we're ever going to get there, but that we are still consistently working towards becoming our most self-improved selves all the time. Because... I'm still always going to try to get there, but I don't want to feel the weight of not knowing whether or not I've actually gotten there because I'm just going to fucking decide that I'm already there and I'm just fine tuning and tweaking as I go, continuing to maintain our elite ass attitude and becoming a better version of ourselves every day. So much of the internet tells you what you should and could be doing to be a better version of yourself. You fucking, and it's not even like it's trying to, like, I'm not even saying you're out there seeking self-improvement information and the internet is telling you that what you're doing is wrong. It's inadvertently telling you you're wrong. It's a subconscious thing that's happening with all of this information that we're constantly taking in in such a quick, short amount of time. We see a get ready with me video. We see a morning routine video. We see an exercise routine video. We see a girl doing a dance with a sexy ass body. We see a girl showing us a hair routine with beautiful long hair. We see a billionaire investment video talking about how we could be making more money and things that you should be doing in your 20s to become a millionaire so that you can live through your 30s and be happy, how to have the best parenting tips and how to keep your house clean and what to do to make your Instagram aesthetic. And it's just so much information. And it all makes you feel like you're not doing the right thing. It all is giving you ways that you can improve. And that's a very, very cool, useful, good tool that we all do have access to, but it's overwhelming for the brain. So I wanted to create a space where we could all feel like we're already good enough, but we can take those tidbits from life from people's advice, from the internet, whatever, and slowly integrate it into our lives and do what works best for us. Again, knowing that where we're at now is okay. Just because you saw a video of somebody that has more money than you or prettier, quote unquote, hair than you or whatever, doesn't mean that where you're at isn't good enough. You can do things to try to work towards becoming that if that's what you want to do. And if that's what works for you, but you're not failing or your life isn't bad or you're not doing something wrong for being in this exact moment that you're at right now, knowing that you're already doing exactly the right thing for you while still consistently trying to grow and self-improve and become the highest, most elite version of yourself. 
always being mindful of consistent growth. I have had so much support in year one with thousands of you guys listening to the podcast. It's more than I ever could have anticipated. From my friends and my family listening to the podcast and having the, like, they've all had the same reaction of like, wait, Sarah, this actually is like a really good podcast. <laughs> but to everybody that has reached out to me and said that they heard something on the podcast that resonated with them, or I said something, or one of our guests said something that really helped them or impacted them, everyone who has shared the show, all of my amazing guests who have contributed to the show and have made it what it is. It has just totally changed my life and impacted my own self-improvement so deeply that I just, I couldn't be more grateful and appreciative to every single one of you who listens. To show my appreciation, I thought it would be a little bit of fun to incorporate you guys into this one year anniversary episode and do a cute little Q&A. Over the past year, I've had so many people reach out to me to share stories, to ask questions, to get my advice. And how fun would it be to incorporate the most important part of the show, you guys, into the one-year episode? So that's what we're going to do. <laughs> I tried to do a Q&A when I first started the podcast, but obviously because I didn't have enough traction, it was hard to be consistent. But I would really love to start incorporating Q&As into future episodes. So if this is something that you guys like and want to hear more of, please let me know. I could definitely do more full Q&A episodes. I could also obviously add Q&A to the end of episodes. I, a lot of the time I don't do that though because I want the episode to be dedicated just to the topic and to not kind of veer off track. But let me know if you guys like Q&A because we can definitely do more episodes dedicated to that. Today, we're going across the board with wellness questions. I have relationships, friendships, physical wellness, confidence, mindfulness, the list goes on. So without further ado, let's get into it. Okay, so this first question I'm actually obsessed with because I very much relate to it. It's kind of what I was talking about at the beginning about me saying how I wanted to start this podcast because I wanted to actually see improvement. So what this person said is, I feel very stuck in my growth. I feel like I know what I'm supposed to do, but I just don't have the energy to do it. That's interesting. So that makes me feel even more overwhelmed because I know how to fix whatever issue is happening, but I can't get myself to. This sounds like you're stuck in the awareness stage. That's how I'm interpreting this. That is the issue that I had for a really long time, that I felt like I was reading all of the books and listening to all the podcasts and doing all of the things, but I didn't know how to actually apply the things that I was learning to my own life and making it a consistent practice. I had to start practicing. It was a skill to be learned. It wasn't something that I think I expected to read the whole book or listen to the whole podcast and automatically have that skill under my belt, that I would read a whole book on how to be confident and that I was now going to be because because the things in the book would make sense to me. My brain is big enough to understand what they're trying to tell me. It sounds realistic. It sounds applicable. So I would then go out into the world and try to apply those things and find myself A, not able to apply them in situations, like not able to do it at all, or B, only be able to do it for a short amount of time and then eventually revert to my own brain waves, my own brain patterns, and not continue with what I had just read in the book. I think one of the best ways to start to try to gain the energy to do things is starting small 
and understanding that things will continue to click in your brain as you are put into situations that you need them to click. You are so awesome for trying to self-improve and for gaining the information and knowing what you are supposed to do. That's half of what you need to do is have that awareness. I think that's so impressive. I just think that you're putting too much pressure on yourself to do all of the things right all at once. And that would a hundred percent be energy draining. You need to do one thing at a time. And first step is just recognizing when you are in a situation that you want to apply a new practice and then doing a little bit of that practice. For example, something that I do wrong is I will be a dick to my boyfriend like right away. Like he'll say something and my immediate reaction is to joke and say something mean or to insult him. And so I'm trying to get myself out of that habit, knowing that he is not doing anything at all ever to try to hurt me. So instead of trying to go full-fledged into what I think I'm supposed to do, which is change my wording and say something nice or be positive or do anything like that, just trying to be silent and not say anything at all. Because I think that is the first step forward. It's a smaller step towards changing the wording and it's less pressure. And it helps build that habit for you to then start being able to change your brain pattern. I think with this too, we expect things to happen so fast. Our generation is so instant gratification. And this is something that takes time. It could take years uh, to really incorporate it into your daily life. So take it easy on yourself, take a little pressure off and just start small in places that you feel that you can make a little bit of movement and you'll start to feel more like you're gaining traction, getting some progress. My boyfriend always chooses his friends first and I don't understand why. Ew. We make plans to hang out and every time the I'm sorry, that was rude. <laughs> we make plans to hang out and every time the day of, he will cancel on me. Okay, no, I take my rude comment. I put it back. My rude comment applies. Or I tell him I want us to go on vacation and he says he can't afford it, but then can go with his friends. It makes me feel like he doesn't care whether or not he spends time with me. What do I do? I I'm going to be mean first and then I'm going to be nice. I'm not going to try to be mean. I'm just going to be honest with you. He doesn't. He doesn't care whether or not he sees you. I mean, I don't know the whole story. I don't know if he's like super nice to you and you're trying to like batten down the hatches and not ever let him see his friends. And so when he sees his friends, he like or has the opportunity to go with his friends and he wants to go and be with them and blows you off because you guys are together 24 seven. But I'm getting the vibe that you aren't spending a lot of time with him and he's canceling on you and blowing you off and choosing other people over you. And that's not a good feeling. And it's not something that you deserve. And I think something that I often overlooked and would really like to shine light on when I was in a relationship like this, I would be like making excuses for him or coming up with like reasons why he could be doing that. Or I would come up with things that I could be doing better in order to make him stop doing that to me, ways I could communicate or even communicating with him, how it makes me feel and thinking that I got my point across to him and it's not going to happen anymore. And then it would happen again. I think the number one thing is asking yourself, would you do that? 
would you treat him like that? Would you cancel on him to see your friends? No. So if you wouldn't do that, it's not okay that he is doing that. I saw something the other day that said that the mentality of if I, if he wanted to, he would was a toxic mentality because sometimes you have to show them how you want to be treated. You want to teach people how to share a life with you because it is a big expectation that a lot of us have nowadays that this person is supposed to enter our lives and be everything for us. And so you do have to, you know, learn to have a life partner. You're meshing two totally different people that have similar attributes and values into one life. So you have to, there has to be like some give and take and learning and patience. But if he wanted to, he would in the sense of people do things and prioritize what is important to them. People make time for what they want to make time for. Actively making the choice to nourish your relationship if it's something that he wants to nourish. Let's put it completely equal playing field. You can sit and watch a movie at home with him, or he can sit and watch a movie with his friends. Now it comes down to who does he just want to spend time with, and he's choosing his friends? I don't know. I think you can find somebody that wants to spend all of their time with you. I believe that that's possible. And I don't think it's worth your energy to have a relationship that sucks the life out of you. And to me, that's what that does. Like you're spending too much energy worrying about them and asking questions and being confused when you could be channeling that energy towards yourself and towards improving yourself and towards whatever else in the life that you want, your career, your money, a different relationship that actually is fulfilling to you. It's just not where the energy should be focused. I tried to answer that question without saying you have to break up with him, but I feel like that's what I did. So I'm sorry. I just want what's best for you, Ishi. You know, I love you. And I just don't think that's worth it. You're worth being chosen. I really liked your four-step method to change who you are and have been trying to apply it to my life, but I'm struggling to make it a habit. Any tips? Okay. First of all, I love you that you have actually been using the four-step method. That makes me like really fucking happy. I can't believe somebody's actually using it out there. So that's really cool. I absolutely have tips to make it a habit because that is what I also struggle the most with. The first tip is that it's not always going to be perfect. I think I said that in that episode is that you're going to screw it up. Like you're not, you're going to fall off. You're going to do things wrong. You're going to, you know, do whatever to screw it up. But you like, that's what's going to happen. It's the continuous. It's how many times you pick back up and get back into it and how quickly you continue to do that over time. Sometimes something that your higher self or the changed version of you wants to do is go to the gym and you go for a couple days and then you fall back into your old routine and then you go a month without going to the gym and then you decide that you have fallen off and you need to get back into action and so you go back to the gym. Then the next time you fall off, it might be you know, only two weeks that you take off and then maybe it's only a couple days that you take off. And that is one thing is that like you're, you're lessening the amount of time that you are falling off. The second tip that I have about making it a habit is providing yourself a reward. So there's the cue, routine, and reward. And a lot of the time, the emotional reward or the like internal reward isn't enough <laughs> to want to stay consistent with it. So sometimes you can try rewarding yourself with something physical. Like you can say to yourself, okay, something that defines my higher self is has a great wardrobe. So every time I get a paycheck, I'm going to buy one article of clothing for myself. 
and you do it for the first couple of paychecks and then you stop justifying it and you continue to go out to eat more. And now you're, you know, and, and now you've fallen off of what you said you were going to do. So then you tell yourself, I'm going to, if I can continue to buy myself one piece of clothing for the next three paychecks, I will, on my fourth paycheck, buy myself two pieces of clothing or a piece of clothing that you've been really wanting, but you can't justify because it's a little bit more expensive. Reward yourself somehow physically. It can be something, you know, smaller than that. Say you want to go to the gym. You're including that into your workout routine. Okay. If I go to the gym consistently four times a week for an entire month straight, I will buy myself a pair of Gymshark leggings. Give yourself something to reward yourself with. I will, if I eat healthy every day this week, I'm going to go and I'm going to eat Taco Bell this weekend. Something, something to like make you feel like it's something that's measurable that you said, okay, I'm going to set this amount of time and I'm going to complete this task. And once I complete that task, I can get this reward. And if you continue on that cycle, it's likely that you'll be able to build the habit because you're going to continue to push that amount of time out longer for you to reach that physical reward until you don't really need the physical reward anymore because it's become a habit for you. My best friend and I have been friends for about six years now. We would go out together all the time. We always had such a good time together and just do wild fuck shit. But in the last few months, she decided to be sober. By all means, I am not mad. That's great for her and I totally support her. But sometimes I feel she thinks she's better than me for it. I want to talk to her about it, but I don't really know how to approach it. This is interesting because totally like you don't want to by any means put your friend down for choosing to be sober. But it does complicate the relationship if a lot of what you guys did was go out and party and you still want to do that. You feel you don't have a need to be sober. I obviously want to suggest talking to her about it. I don't know, though. Honestly, a lot of the time, like I've had really good friends that are also party friends. And because they're party friends, sometimes it feels harder to communicate deeply with them because so much of your relationship was fun that bringing up topics that are heavier like this are sometimes fun suckers and they seem more intimidating to talk to them about. But if this is truly a friend that you are friends with more than just going out and having fun with, which is what this sounds like, you said she was your best friend, I think she would want to know that she's making you feel that way. My number one thing is I guarantee you she probably isn't trying to make you feel that way. She's probably trying to convince herself that she's better now for being sober or remind herself that she's better now for being sober. And you might be a trigger for her because she probably did have a fucking kick-ass time with you and enjoyed hanging out with you and going out and partying. And when she sees you and hangs out with you, it's very possible that she wants to do that again, or she can feel herself wanting to go back into that mode. I don't think it's about you. I think it's about herself. I think it's about her feeling like she has to do this in order to become her most elite self. And by telling you or acting like you are whatever it is that she saw bad about being this party person or whatever decision made her want to be sober, 
it's almost like she's telling her own self that through conversation with you. I think the first thing to do would be complimenting her and letting her know that you support her. Have you told her that? Have you told her how great you think it is that she's doing this for herself? Maybe you can even ask her for advice on something. Like you've been really consistent with this. What do you think helps you be so consistent? How do you feel now that you haven't drank or done anything else in a certain amount of time? Like supporting her, showing your interest, showing her you're interested in her sobriety, I think will soften her up a bit more. And then I think the next thing that you could do is you should initiate some activities for you guys to do that don't involve partying at all. Maybe you guys can go exercise together. You can go get something to eat. You can go to a movie, you know, do something that isn't that you guys are still able to have fun and laugh and enjoy each other's company without needing that added element of being intoxicated. And then obviously, if the issue still persists, then I think you it's worth saying to her, hey, like you totally might not mean it like this, but I just wanted you to like be aware that I was kind of feeling this way. Sometimes when you talk to me about your sobriety, it makes me feel like you are thinking that I'm a bad person for still being somebody who drinks. Is that what you mean? Like, is like it just doesn't make me feel really good and see what she says. My guess is that she doesn't fucking think about that. Like she doesn't think that about you at all. It's, it's about her. It's about her trying to shove that piece of her away and, and tell herself that those qualities aren't bad. I think it'll be okay. And I think once you start complimenting her and and showing her that you support her and encourage her and you find other activities for you guys to do, you probably won't even have to have that conversation because I guarantee you it she'll be able to separate you and her sobriety at that point. I really want to go to the gym more, but I can't stay consistent. Oh, <laughs> hi. Have you heard me talk about that in every single example almost now? I know the higher version of myself is someone who exercises, but I feel like I still work out for a couple weeks and then just totally not feel like going and quit until I get another surge of motivation to go again. Do you have any tips to stay consistent? Yes. So me, first of all, I just want you to know that I would consider myself somebody who consistently goes to the gym and has for the last seven years. But let me tell you first fucking hand, this is me. Like this happens to me for the first, maybe, I don't know how long you've been working out, but for the first like couple years, I would say of me exercising, I would go for like three weeks and then I would fall off for a week. And then I would get that, like you said, surge of motivation. And then I would go back for another three weeks. And it was like weirdly always around that three week mark that I would fall off. So I, the first thing that I did was have to push myself through that low, low period. And I was able to become more consistent because of it. So that really worked for me until I burned myself out because I wasn't taking a break other than my rest day. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with taking a rest week. And I think that that's not something that's talked about a lot. I think that we're supposed to, you know, be consistent every single week of our entire life and that's it. Something when I was coaching that I heard a lot was, a, um, I think, what was it called? A deload week, something like that, I think, uh, where you do much lighter weight on that week. So maybe you can still go and if you're somebody who lifts, you can still go, but you just do less weight during that time. 
Uh, the other thing that I would recommend is just if you're feeling like during the, that low period, during that no motivation period, doing something to move your body every day. Like maybe you're not doing the uh, lifting exercise that you normally do, but maybe you do yoga every day that week, or you go for a walk or you turn on music and you dance in your living room, or you can pull up a YouTube video and do a follow along easy at home workout, something to move your body, something to continue with the habit a little bit more, kind of like a placebo pill <laughs> when you're taking birth control so that you can like, you take it for the three weeks. And then that week that you're on your period, you're taking the placebo pill so that you don't forget to take your pill. That's what I think would be really beneficial here is having the like filler so that you continue with the habit. And then once you get that surge of energy, again, you just get back into it and don't feel like you've completely fallen off exercise and have to start all over again. A lot of the time too, when you use this method by like day two or three of you feeling like this, it's not going to be a whole week that by day two or day three, what you want to do is your typical workout routine. Like if you're going to carve out time to go for a walk or to do yoga, it's like, fuck it, I'll just go to the gym. And if that happens, my other tip for you to be consistent is to not put so much pressure on yourself to lift again, like the heaviest weight or to do a super long exercise. A lot of the time I had this really low period of motivation for exercise. I would go to the gym maybe once or twice a week and that would always upset me. And then I would take like a couple weeks off. I'd get upset. So what I would recommend is shortening your workout time during that period. When I was burnt out, I normally would work out for like an hour and a half and now I've been working out for a half an hour and I feel good and I feel proud of myself for going to the gym and doing that. The only time that anything like this isn't going to work is if you have like some severe goal, like you're some bodybuilder or you have like a competition that you're going to get to or you're trying to hit some like super big weight loss goal in a short amount of time. But if you're just somebody that is a regular person that's exercising to be healthy or even to lose weight, but you don't have a specific time frame on it, do what works. Like take the time to enjoy those rest periods and not be beating yourself up for taking the time because it's going to take you longer to get that surge of motivation back. And you're going to feel resentful of the gym and burnt out of the gym and not be going. And then Obviously, that's not what you want because like you said, the higher version of yourself is somebody that goes and works out. So you don't want to prevent yourself from going any more than you already are. What are your favorite self-improvement books? Okay, I love this question because I feel like I discredit self-improvement books a lot of the time on the pod and I don't mean to because I fucking love them and they were like totally the beginning of my self-improvement journey. I have not read any lately. I will be honest with you because like I've told you guys so many times, they have overwhelmed me. And I feel like I get a lot of my self-improvement now just from the podcast. But I definitely, definitely recommend self-improvement books to learn skills and techniques that you could be using in your everyday life and for specific things that you would like to self-improve on. So my favorites. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I would say my number one that comes straight to my mind is The Four Agreements. I literally have the flower that's on the cover of that book tattooed on my hand. So so I would go ahead and say that that one is probably my favorite. Uh, it's essentially The Four Agreements are these 
four practices that you can do in order to have like a completely clear, confident mind that how you can make it through your life and not feel like you're caught up in society and people's opinions and all of that stuff. And it's four very simple agreements. Another book that I loved, let's think. You know, I liked the 101 essays to change the way you think. I actually didn't finish it though, to be honest with you. I kind of got bored with it. But I think that I got bored with it because I felt that I was um, more self-improved for that book than what I needed advice for. So if you're at the beginning of your self-improvement journey, I think that that is a very, a very good book. The Untethered Soul, Michael Singer, anything by Michael Singer, I think he is really good. That is the book that I learned the technique of if the voice in your head, if you could remove that from your head and put her as a physical person on the couch next to you and they would not shut up and were saying shitty things about you and making fun of you and being rude to you, you would literally hate that person, tell them to get fucked and never talk to them ever again. But for whatever reason, because it's the voice in our head, we think that there's truth to it. Love that book. That was such a an eye-opening book. The One Thing, I think that's a very good book. That book is about doing one thing every day to make yourself a better person uh, and how those one things continue to add up over time. Definitely recommend that one. Uh, so I would say those three are probably like my, my, my three main that are coming to my head right now that I would recommend reading. I'm working on my confidence and not caring what other people think. And the other night I was at a bar and my boyfriend and a couple asked us to play them in pool. I immediately felt my body seize up and have the fear of not wanting to interact with people, but didn't want to be a weirdo and say no, so we played them. I never know what to talk to strangers about and feel pressured to especially communicate with the other girl. Every time I spoke, I was second-guessing what I would say, thinking I sounded dumb or something. How can I stop acting like this and just be confident like a normal person? Please help. Okay, first of all, I fucking feel you on the having to interact with another girl. Like if I am in a situation that there's like another couple talking to us, I automatically feel like an added pressure that I'm supposed to like get along with that girl and like mingle with her. And I think that like the guys expect us to have guy talk like they do. Like guys have like some core topics that they can touch on and like every guy can relate to it no matter what sports, video games, work, pretty simple. Like where girls, like I, it's just not like that. We just don't have that luxury and it makes that added pressure so intense. So I feel you on that. You said just to be confident, like a normal person, you are a normal person. You, your reaction is completely normal. You're interacting and being shoved into a situation that you don't feel comfortable in, which is a natural reaction uh, to feel that like fear, especially, I mean, I you are talking to the lack of small talk skill queen. I, I hate being in situations like that. So just because there are people that are good at small talk and are good at meaningless conversation and you are not one of those people doesn't mean that you're abnormal. And I also don't think that that means that you are not confident. It just means that you are not in your element and that's okay. So let's address that. How do you feel not insecure or feel more confident being able to just exist and be in that situation? The biggest thing I ask myself 
is how would you talk to a friend and how would you be interacting if you've known these two people for years? What would you say? What would you do? Not in a sense of like fully trusting them and like spilling your life to them or acting like your weirdo self in front of them because obviously there's going to be boundaries when you're around strangers. But if you're feeling pressured to talk in a situation that you don't know what to say, would you even be saying anything if it was your friends? Like a lot of the time, that's what I realize is that I might not be talking at all. And because they're strangers, I feel this pressure to have a conversation with them and like prove to them who I am. And you don't need to do that if that's not what you would be doing normally. One of the things that yourself is evidenced by is being clear and calm. And what would make you feel clear and calm? How would responding in this situation make you feel the most calm? Is that just not talking? Because you're totally allowed to just not talk. You don't have to interact with them. The other thing that I resonate with that you say is that you don't want to sound dumb. Let me ask you this. Are you looking to be friends with that person? Potentially, like maybe if you guys really get along, but my guess is that if you're feeling uncomfortable, probably not a good match. Sometimes they're just some random people that you're never going to see again. And if that's the case, would you ask that person for advice? Because if you wouldn't ask that person for advice on something in your life, you shouldn't feel worried about their judgment. Don't take an insult from somebody that you would never go to for advice. And a lot of the time, they're probably not insulting you, friend, or they're probably just like as worried or uncomfortable as you are. My boyfriend and I have been together a while now, but he's done so much fucked up shit in our relationship. I know that he is not my forever person, which makes me sad because I feel like I've been trying and trying for so long to make this work. Every time I feel like I'm above water, he does something that knocks me down and I have to try to swim back up to the top. The thought of breaking up with him is overbearing for me because I'm afraid of how much my life will change if I end things. Go fucking you, dude. Like, go fucking you for knowing that he is not your forever person, even though you want him to be. That is like the first major fucking step in the whole world because I think that's like, oh my God, that's so impressive. The first thing is, and I think that you probably already know this because it seems like this is what you're doing, is allowing yourself to end the relationship when you're ready. It's going to be something that happens. And when, as soon as you are ready to do it, you will pull the plug. You will pull the trigger. I promise you will. Just like when you pulled the trigger, when you decided to get into a relationship with him because you felt that you were ready to enter a relationship, it's the same thing. When you are quitting a job and you finally quit the job, because even though you've been thinking about it for a while, because you knew that it's time that you have to quit the job. Like it's the same concept. You do things when you're ready to do them. So I think this is great. This is you prepping to make yourself more ready and to sever that relationship because you know that that's inevitable and that's the best thing to do for you. The thing that I would really say to you, you said the thought of breaking up with him is overbearing for me because I'm afraid of how much my life will change if I end things. Start to fill your life. Start to fill your life up. If you are really good friends with his family, you're always hanging out with him. You have connections with his friends. And what I would recommend to you is filling your life up now. 
Don't wait until the relationship ends. Find other things for you to do with your time. Find other things that you would enjoy. Reach out to your friends now while you're still in the relationship so that you guys have, you know, a strong bond that they will be there for you through this process. Join an organization, join a club, join a class, start going to the gym, start listening to things, start reading books, go on walks you know, do, do things, start learning how to do things solo, go out to dinner by yourself or go to the movies by yourself, or just, I don't know, just like go shopping and and just do, do things that are more simple that you are, you're teaching yourself and showing yourself that you can exist on your own. And it's going to build up your identity bank so much that you're going to feel so full on your own that when you lose him, it's still going to be a major loss and you're still going to feel sad and you're still going to be upset at the hole that his absence leaves. But you are going to have the skill already in place to make yourself feel good and make yourself feel distracted and occupied when you need to. But that's an impressive one. I mean, I'm that's so cool that you already are that aware. All right, guys, I'm going to end it there. There are more questions to pick from. So we are definitely going to be doing another Q&A because this was so fun. And I loved hearing what you guys had to say and listening to the way that your brains kind of work. So we'll definitely be, be doing more of this in the future because I love to be able to connect with you guys and provide some validation and some insight because you know what? You guys also really validated me and made me feel less alone because I really relate to so much of what you guys are talking about and having issues with. So thank you for that. <laughs> Cause it's, it makes me feel like I'm, you know, totally you're hearing me and I'm hearing you. And it, it's really, it's really a cool experience. So I appreciate you guys again. Thank you so much for listening for this episode and for this last entire year. I'm so grateful for every single one of you that has tuned in to Wellish. If you have any questions or stories that you would like to share with me, I'm going to create a highlight on the Wellish Instagram that you can go ahead and either enter into the question box or you can swipe up on the story, send me a DM, and you can be featured on one of these next Q&A episodes that we're going to be doing in the future. So check that out on Wellish's Instagram. That's at Wellish Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram and on TikTok for more self-improvement. My handle for both is just my full name, at Sarah Rittendale. Instagram does have a dot in between my first and last name, but both are just my full Sarah with an H, R-I-T-O-N-D-A-L-E. We're going to have a great week this week. Don't forget you are elite as fuck, and I will talk to you guys next Monday. Yeah.